One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I try trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. There's structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads. Information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. We're brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z. ROS.com. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. Cotsboros have a full line of trapping supplies as well as books and DVDs, baits and lures, everything you need to get started. Brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is an auction house run by trappers for trappers. You can find them at furharvesters.com where you can see shipping dates, pickup schedules and locations, auction dates, past auction results, and get ready to see what the fur market's going to do. All right, well, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to start uh, with fur harvesters and give you a little bit of a fur market update. And uh, it's just kind of things just kind of rolling along. We haven't had a whole lot of fur price information to uh, to sort of get an idea of what exactly this market's going to be and we kind of knew that it wasn't going to be until the big auction in March uh, where fur harvesters puts puts together that big collection of fur where we really see what averages uh, can be expected to to look like the you know the selling in the country people you know selling to different buyers here and there it's difficult to use that as a gauge necessarily for fur prices number one it's regional and and uh, in different regions fur has different quality number two uh, it can vary a lot because a lot of these buyers are kind of they're one level away from the the big time fur buyers and and oftentimes will buy fur for those folks and uh, and who then in turn may sell to another buyer or a manufacturer and along the line so in some cases these these country buyers are speculating uh, really for more than anything and so they're taking chances and sometimes they're willing to take more chances than others this year is is a time when most people probably are less willing to take chances but there's a, a little bit of a, a encouraging news coming so uh, <clears throat> fur harvesters just put out a little press release just with an update of some fur prices um, doesn't really give much new information except uh, talks about the couple of fur auctions that took place around the in, in North Dakota and Idaho this past weekend. 
So uh, let's get into this press release. It says, up until this past weekend, reports of single trappers selling to private buyers were the only barometer as to where the coyote market is. The true market is only realized at the auction level. Fur Harvesters Auction wishes to congratulate the North Dakota Trappers Association and the Idaho Trappers Association for successfully conducting very impressive auctions this past weekend. Having spoken with several of the buyers attending these auctions, results were conclusive that price and clearance on Western Coyotes was very strong. Now, they said, they said North Dakota Trappers, I, I think that may have been the Fur Takers Association uh, chapter there in North Dakota, but either way, <clears throat> North Dakota offered 1,300 coyotes, averaging around $130 U.S. And topping out at 205 but the average is the important uh, part of that. So uh, $130, you know, we, we the last time we had, you know, real auction prices, uh, even, even with those North Dakota furs, which are probably the best coyotes in the country, um, it, you know, we were looking at somewhere close to the $100 mark. So that is a significant advancement. That's pretty exciting. Uh, a little bit, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. It, it may be a little bit surprising. Uh, I am a little bit surprised myself that it went up that high, but, um, you know, this is one of those things that coyote market is still hot and take advantage of it while you can because it will not last forever. Uh, we know that for sure. Uh, Idaho uh, says Idaho results will be posted shortly. Reports are that over 2,000 coyotes were offered. Averages were similar to the North Dakota auction. So um, I just pulled up, uh, as I'm recording this, I pulled up Idaho Trapper's website and I was not able to find an updated report. So uh, that's that's probably still forthcoming. This is the time of year when we start seeing all those state auctions uh, come together and, and uh, a bunch of results get posted up. So uh, in the next few weeks, you know, if you if you keep posted up on a place like Trapper Man or or uh, look at these state auction websites and, and uh, keep an eye on the dates, and the, these results will start rolling in. And it'll, if you're interested, it'll give you a, a better idea of what's going on in the market in different places. And uh, <clears throat> just moving on with this fur harvesters report, it's important to note that both uh, these auctions sell individual trapper bundles, and there were trappers that sold some big catches and averaged considerably higher than the overall averages listed above. These results are good news to trappers supporting their associations, as well as trappers... Uh, these trappers are stepping up by supporting these auctions, help providing very important funding to strengthen their state associations. We, for harvesters, have just returned from a three-week tour in northern China, where our team visited customers, factories, and design centers promoting wild fur. Already we've confirmed our largest attendance of Chinese buyers, and many more are expected to register in the coming weeks. As well, all the major European fashion houses are confirmed, along with a great number of new buyers registering with strong orders for coyotes. Our western operation in Winnipeg will continue to receive coyotes beyond our posted last receiving dates. So they are stacking up the fur, getting ready for this big auction. Of course, nobody really knows what, well, none of us know what's going on with the NAFA fur right now, when it's going to be auctioned off. And, or how it's going to be sold. So, you know, a lot of people are going to show up at FHA this uh, this year because they don't necessarily have that NAFA option. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, the China uh, the China is a is a major consumer and uh, of of wild fur and a major producer of fur items, fur garments. 
so uh, we, we don't really see anything picking up there as far as the economy I mean we do have this uh, trade deal that was signed and, and there may be some optimism there although the Chinese economy does appear to be uh, struggling along and growing but growing at its slowest pace in a very long time so I guess that remains to be seen the Russian economy uh, does not appear to be going uh, great guns. They are struggling with again with low oil prices. The oil oil market went up a little bit a few weeks ago. It's back down. Uh, oil is somewhere between 50 and 55 dollars a barrel. It was up over 60 for a while, and, and uh, so so that's that's pretty low for you know Russia being a, a having a country whose economy is highly dependent on on oil on exporting oil so the you know those those western bobcats there's going to be a very limited market for them and for bobcats overall the very best ones will continue to sell but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see it, how much that holds up that may be a trend that like the coyotes was really hot and unlike the coyotes may be starting to fade uh, so we'll we'll just have to keep an eye on that and see but anyway, uh, fur harvesters will be something to watch this uh, this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun in March. And uh, I don't know, I may even have to take the day off of work just to listen into that auction live and, <laughs> and keep up with what's going on. Um, and I'll have a fair little bit of fur in it. So it'll be also it's kind of interesting when you have your own fur to uh, mix it mix it. Uh, something a little more uh, personal when you, you kind of see how your fur was graded and how it all sells. A little bit of regional, uh, local fur auction stuff. I I posted this article on trappingtoday.com of a, a a fur sale in Idaho that was just, a you know, it was interesting because we know the fur market's in the tank and everything's low, but there was a little bit of of good information here, a little bit of a positive turn in this this little mini auction that took place in Bucyrus, Ohio. Uh, here's the article from the Norwalk Reflector. It says from January 15, 2020, two raw fur buyers with different needs made for surprisingly profitable seasons for area hunters and trappers at the Crawford County Conservation Club. The site on Saturday, the first of three 2020 sales sponsored by the Ohio State Fur Trappers Association. David Paulette, a longtime fur buyer for his own business out of Malvern, Ohio, Paulette Fur Company, and Ken Little, the veteran fur buyer from Baltimore, Ohio, who buys for New Jersey-based firm Xander & Sons, looked like auction bookends as they purchased as much as 90% of the fur from 47 sellers. Only on occasion did one of the six other buyers offer more than what Paulette and Little were willing to pay. For whatever reason, Paulette went after the coon pelts, an item that was expected to bring below par prices simply because no demand and the fact that large furriers had thousands of pelts in cold storage waiting for the opportune time to make profitable sales. The tight-mouthed Paulette, when asked if he knew more about the coon market than the other buyers, simply said, maybe. Meanwhile, Little, an in an interview before the sale started, City has purchased very little coon this fall for the simple reason hunters and trappers don't want to spend the time to skin, scrape, and dry the hides for what they'll bring. Coon is a bad word, a little stated. You can't give them away. The same for red fox and mink. Coyotes and muskrat are a different story. It's a known fact that the younger generation do not trap. And he went on and on about that. Um, and then going back into some of the numbers. 
the first lot that went in front of the purchaser Saturday morning was offered by longtime trapper Henry Beecher from Ashland. He's been in the fields for 45 years trapping coon uh, as a nuisance trapper, and in the fall, he uh, brought only in 124 of his coon pelts uh, to test the market. I'm not sure what to expect, said the recently retired Beecher. For sure, I'll never again see a $53 coon from back in the early 70s. I'd settle for a $5 average. When Paulette was through bidding on something like 10 different grades from triple X to damage pelts, Beecher was way above that, getting $11.50 for his best pelts, down to $3 for the damaged goods. Most brought between $5.50 and $7.25. So again, not crazy prices, but hey, a little encouraging. Not, you know, not as bad as maybe some people had thought. When Beecher's muskrat pelts hit the block, Little stepped up to the plate. He bought all 81 pelts, paying $4.50 for the largest 40 skins, on down to $3 for mediums and $2.70 for 15 damaged pelts. So that's good. That's just a little uh, little overview of of the, the coon and rat market there. That, that I think that's most of what sold at that auction. Uh, of course, mink didn't do very well at all. As, as expected, but yeah, hey, there's a little bit of demand for fur out there, so, you know, it's not completely over, we don't all need to pack pack it away, uh, for guys that are still trapping, you know, there's, you're going to pay some gas money, anyway, so, uh, that's just a quick little update on the fur market, the little bit that we know, but again, uh, we'll know more and more as we move along uh, the, in the next uh, couple of months. So, updates on what's going on here at Trapping Today. Um, if you go onto the site now and look for a long distance call lure, it is not for sale. So um, you, you can't, no option to buy that right now. I may have some uh, made up for sale in March. We'll see kind of how that goes. But uh, yep, so done selling that for a little while. And the book, um, I am not fulfilling book sales uh, right now. So you can get that. You can still get Fur Profit, Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. But uh, if you go on the website and click on that, it'll send you to Amazon, and you can get that right off of Amazon, and they'll send it to you quickly, and uh, and f- I believe it's $12 free shipping. And you can get it from any of the major trapping, most of the major trapping supply dealers. So if you still want to get that book, support the podcast and website, I'd appreciate that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to be shipping any out here for a little while. And interviews, I have several interviews lined up. I had a few guys that were really uh, happy to to hear about these, to hear these like average Joe Trapper interviews, and it's been a lot of fun. I've got a couple more of those that I've recorded. I have, uh, I believe I have three of them that I've recorded and have not aired. So uh, look forward to that and uh, and to to hearing those. I'll be posting those up in the next couple weeks. In tonight's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about pan covers. And that's something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. And you know how that works. I kind of just sometimes never really get so many things to talk about. You never get around to uh, some of the details. But uh, I want to give a quick over, or maybe, maybe we'll go into a little detailed overview on pan covers and spend the rest of tonight's episode on it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about what a pan cover is. Uh, why it's used and all the different types of pan covers and my opinion on them on you know why uh, what the advantages and disadvantages are of of each of those and then we'll talk about some alternatives to pan covers 
So what's a pan cover? We're talking about trapping with body grip traps or you know just just bare metal traps above the ground or water trapping. Uh, there's no need for a pan cover. The only time when where we get into to a need for pan covers is when you're dirt trapping. So when your trap is being covered by dirt, you you want you you probably want to look into using a pan cover. There are a lot of instances that we'll get into where you don't necessarily need one. Some people, in cases where you or I might think they're needed, some people may not use them anyway. Um, there's there's a very different opinions on them, and it's just like any aspect of trapping where it's such an interesting activity because everybody has their own opinion and their own experiences and what works best for them. So it's always fun to talk about topics like this where, you know, who would have thought you, you talk pan covers and you, on the surface, you probably wouldn't think, well, you talk to a hundred different people and you make it a hundred different opinions on pan covers, but you do because it, it's one of those things we trappers are just so, um, it, we're so interested in our methods and trying different things or having a system that works and being efficient and being effective in trying every little looking at every little detail that may help or hurt our ability to put that critter's paw in the pan get him caught and take him home so the pan covers is, are an important aspect to that a pan cover very very simply is something that goes over the top of the pan of the trap to keep dirt or other covering from getting underneath the pan and for various obvious reasons we don't want dirt or snow or uh, rocks or sticks or leaves getting underneath the pan um, if they if something does get underneath the pan uh, the most obvious things gonna happen is uh, that dirt that that rock uh, the stick whatever it will potentially obstruct the downward movement of the pan and will not allow that pan uh, to fully uh, engage downward and trip the dog or in a dogless trap uh, trip the block and send the trap jaws up to catch the critter so any obstruction to the downward movement of that pan is going to uh, is going to impact your ability to make a catch so when you have um, dirt that's really you know way in under the under the pan and you got a lot of creep in your pan which we'll talk about in a second maybe you get some rain uh, and then the dirt gets kind of uh, real thick and and kind of crusty and you have a coyote that comes in goes to your dirt hole or your your flat set and steps right on top of the pan and nothing happens you got a problem. It's a very, very frustrating problem, and it's happened to me more often than I like to admit. So, the 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 pan. Let's talk about pan travel or pan creep. Um, one of the important things uh, that fact plays into this whole pan cover issue is how far does your pan have to travel downward in order to um, to to set that trap off? And there are different opinions on this. Uh, some people like a really crisp pan with very little travel. What that means is uh, a very small amount of movement downward will cause the trap to fire. Other people like a pan to be able to uh, creep down uh, more uh, prior to firing. And I think the reason for that is 
is so that an animal, you know, if, if the paw pushes down and is in that downward motion and goes down a little ways before it fires, uh, the, the, the paw is going to be further down and, and is going to allow for a higher catch uh, in the, by the jaws. And so the animal, it's just basically the animal's more, in theory, is more committed uh, when it's pushed way down in that pan. Um, and so, so that those are the kind of the basic reasons for uh, the amount of pan travel. Personally, I prefer a very crisp pan with very little travel, and I think the majority of trappers would feel that, uh, believe that to be the case. Um, and and when you have that, uh, the pan doesn't have to move as far down. And so, if you do have some sort of obstruction or some dirt under the pan, it's not going to play as big of a factor because. Uh, there isn't much downward uh, motion required in order uh, for that to, f to fire the trap. And, and, and sort of if you really think about it and you want a, a good combination between having a paw committed to the inside of that jaw uh, and, and be deep down in the jaws and also have a crisp firing pan, you could look at something like uh, the No BS Lures Canine Extreme. You know, I, ha I have some of those Canine Extreme Junior traps I've talked about before. And uh, the pan is like a quarter inch below uh, the tops of the jaws. And so that because that pan is set so low, uh, the animal is fully you know, committed. Uh, and, and when the jaws do come, come up out of the trap bed, uh, they're going to make a nice pad catch. And, and you're not going to have as, as high of a chance of getting a toe catch. So the... the Different factors affect whether you need a pan cover or what you might want to use for a pan cover or how important it is. But but the pan cover is is used um, to keep that stuff from getting around. There are a variety of different things people use for pan covers. Um, I'm going to list off a few of them here. Wire screen pan cover, um, fiberglass pan covers. Uh, th those are probably the two most popular ones that you see at trapping supply uh, dealers. Wax paper, toilet paper, coffee filter, trash bag. All different things. There's a million different things that trappers, they're so innovative. We made up all kinds of different things. I've even ha heard guys using like uh, canvas or pieces of tarps. Or, you know, there's, there's, you can use just about anything for a pan cover. Uh, the, the most common, like I've said, is, is the fiberglass and the wire screen pan covers. So let's get into those. Uh, the first one, the aluminum wire screen pan cover. So this is probably going to be your most expensive pan cover by far. And these are, you know, you can buy these pre-cut or you can um, go to, you, you can go to the hardware store and buy aluminum wire screen. And so there's two different types of wire screen. It's just, it's the same screen that you have uh, in your, the windows at your house. Um, you know, if you have fiberglass screen or if you have aluminum screen, uh, that's that's basically what we're talking about. Same type of mesh and everything else. So the aluminum is is more expensive. Uh, it is rugged. It's pretty stiff, and so it's going to hold up to to a lot, um, and it's going to last you know multiple times. So the the aluminum uh, wire screen pan cover, you know, it's typically going to be in. Uh, you can cut them out any shape that you want, or you can buy them pre-cut in like a, a rectangular shape. And that's just going to be laid over the top of the pan and tucked. It's going to be tucked underneath 
the corners of the jaws. And so it kind of just sits there over the pan and under the jaws in kind of a, a little uh, bubble-ish type of form. And that's where kind of, uh, that's where a bit of the frustration comes in with the aluminum wire screen pan cover because it is stiff and rigid, which is, is good for a number of reasons, but it's also, um, it's also frustrating. So um, going to like the, the old school woofer, the Craig O'Gorman wire screen pan cover, you know, reading a bunch of Craig's stuff, he was very big on these wire screen pan covers. And the reason, as I, as I read uh, in, in his books, the reason that was so important to him was because the, that aluminum wire screen is very stiff. And when you have it over the top of the pan and an animal steps in the trap pattern, it's almost like having extending the area of your pan because they'll step on that uh, wire screen pan cover. Even if they're not over top of the pan, as let's say they're off to the side of the pan, but they're still within the jaws. They'll step on that and that will um, transfer downward pressure from the animal's foot through the pan cover to the pan. It'll cause the pan to fire. So if you're one of those people that doesn't like the whole expanded pan thing and you don't want the animal, the trap firing, unless the foot is right on top of the pan, then wire screen pan covers probably aren't for you because they will expand your catch area. The That's, in my opinion, the good thing about them. The other good thing about them is they are, are rugged, like I said, and, and if you can find them, they're reusable. Um, most of the time when you make a catch, they're going to be chewed on. There's going to be a couple of tooth marks in them. Um, at least that's the case in in the coyotes that I catch, and uh, they'll be they'll be somewhere there in in the trap pattern or just outside of the trap pattern um, after you make the catch, and you can usually kind of fold them back into uh, shape where you want them to be, and and if you want to reuse them, you can you can set them right back in, um, which can be good because they can add up. They can get pretty expensive. Um, if you have a trap that was never fired and you go to p pull your traps, you can you can just clean them up and, and reuse them uh, the next time you go out to set traps. The frustrating part about these wire screen pan covers, and now let's, let's go into the cons a little bit. And one is, of course, they're the most expensive pan cover, so, so they can add up. You know, if you buy them pre-cut, um, and you do have to do quite a, f a little bit to cut them yourself, because if you have a dog trap... Um, you're gonna a dog on trap. You're going to need to cut out a notch uh, or a, a slot for the dog to go through, so that when the trap uh, the pan is pushed down, the and the dog disengages, the dog needs to be able to fly up out of the way, uh, so the jaws can come up. And so um, you have to cut that that uh, hole out and or that slot so that the dog can fly out of the way. And so there's a little extra, you know, there's some work involved in that, but um, the the thing that frustrates me the most about these pan covers is they they like to bubble up kind of and they it's very difficult to get them to sit relatively flat with the trap um, if you it seems to me that it's uh, maybe a little more difficult with smaller round traps and maybe if you're dealing with um, well if you're dealing with traps with low profile pan it's it's much easier but if you're dealing with like a number three or number four um, Bridger or Northwoods you know like a big one of those big square jaws uh, I think it, they seem to set in there a lot easier 
um, in my limited experience with that. But uh, you know, the MB 550s, you, it seems like they like to pop up, and and you so you have to crease and bend the the pan cover around the shape of the pan so that as the pan cover is over the top of the pan, it's flat, but then it tapers down at the crease to go underneath the jaws. Because if you don't do that and it just maintains its shape, it's going to go down under the jaws and it's going to bubble up right on top of the pan. And then what do you do? Well, you either take the thing apart and you start bending again and then you have to try it three, four times to make sure you bend it in the right spot. And if you didn't, you got to bend it back and bend it again. Or you get lazy like I do sometimes and just sift a whole bunch of extra dirt over top of it um, to to cover up that bubble up um, pan cover. And, and I don't think that's a good thing either because um, the wind blows it off a little bit and that's exposed, uh, that wire's exposed, or a critter might have a better chance of kind of seeing that that's there and, and claw at it a little bit and pull it out. So not good. Um, so it's if you have a system put together and you know what you're doing, you definitely can make that work and you could probably do it pretty effectively and you probably really like those but that's just kind of my my little experience with with that um, I I like them I use them but I don't use them as much as I, I did before the the second category of, of screen is fiberglass screen pan covers these are very popular these are must be the most popular ones used in the trapping industry. You see them, they're the, the ones that you'll typically see at a booth, at a convention. Uh, they're probably, you know, most commonly offered for sale for new trappers getting started or just like your standard run-of-the-mill trapper that's looking for supplies. The fiberglass pan covers are a similar type of screen as, uh, you know, the screen size as the aluminum but the fiberglass is a lot less rigid. It's not. It's really floppy, so it doesn't have a lot of strength, and so you're not going to get that function of, you know, extending out your the catch area of your pan, like you would with an aluminum cover. Uh, but they are lightweight. You don't have really that issue with the crease having to crease them or the bubbling up as much. So uh, so that's good they're they're cheaper than than the aluminum ones the big negative on the fiberglass is fiberglass can absorb odors and so if you're using fiberglass pan covers some people say no problem they never have an issue with it and fiberglass does seem to have a little bit of odor on its own and and i don't know if the pan covers do or don't some some trappers will tell you they do others will tell you they don't but um just be aware that if you're using fiberglass pan covers, there's a potential for odor issues, whether it's uh, the odor from the the pan cover, um, you know, from from the fiberglass being during the manufacturing process, or if it's odor that is picked up by the fiberglass uh, material in the process of being on the trap line or just being in your shed or, or whatever. It seems as though having, you know, fiberglass material seems to be more likely to uh, to catch odors than than something like aluminum, which is more smooth. Um, moving on, wax paper. So wax paper pan covers seem to be the obvious thing that where they're very very common is in northern areas in wintertime trapping in the snow. And so you kind of need uh, you know snow can be quite fine and it can go right through the the mesh on on any standard. 
paint cover screen material and so you need kind of some complete coverage to keep that snow uh, from going under the trap and snow can also you know warm up and and turn into you know semi-liquid and then freeze and cause problems so uh, wax paper is is very very common in the north um, trapping in the snow a lot of times trappers will actually put a layer of wax paper underneath the trap then they'll set the trap on top of it and then they'll set wax paper uh, over top of of the entire trap not just the the pan usually using a bigger trap there and uh, the wax paper doesn't seem to cause an issue as far as the trap being able to fire up through it and uh, and catch the animal so um, there's different opinions on how that's done some people might do it differently than that and then there's trappers who who use some wax paper um, just on their you know the dirt line uh, but it doesn't seem to be quite as common toilet paper just take a square of toilet paper and put it over the pan yeah it works I guess um, people use toilet paper and people use coffee filters the the issue with with those two items is obviously they're made of paper and so if you're in an area like me where you get lots and lots of rain um, and freeze thaw and all kinds of different conditions paper can turn to mush pretty quickly and so um, they, they do work they can work and you know some people might say well it doesn't matter it's just forming your you know it's making that uh, bridge or that cover to keep the dirt from getting under the the pan and you know but but there's a I, I've seen cases where toilet paper you know it, it can be over top of the pan and, and have some dirt covered over it and then it gets rained on and it just kind of collapses and, and it's the dirt just kind of falls right underneath the sides of the along the sides underneath the pan and so it's it's not really you know it's super cheap coffee filters too probably your cheapest option and the trash bag thing you know people use that as well um, sure they work you know they're just a really thin cheap layer to get something over top of your pan to keep the dirt and if if that works for you and that keeps the dirt out from getting under your, dirt from getting underneath your pan then then that's great that that works and use it um, I I tend to lean away from those things I'd rather have uh, you know a higher level of confidence personally that um, <clears throat> that the the pan cover is doing its job but it could you know some people it works great so those are kind of the the basics for for the pan covers and what you have for options they're probably going to be people right now listening to this thinking of a pile of other options that I haven't mentioned or haven't thought of and and again you can use your imagination on these uh, but those are the standard ones and uh, try try them out a little bit and see what works for you and what doesn't now th there you don't necessarily have to use a pan cover in order to keep um, dirt from getting underneath your trap pan so there's a couple of different options you can try and one of them is is something called the trappers cap this is a plastic cap it's round on the bottom, has a big round uh, sort of oval shape to it, and it's like an upside-down cup. This just a little bigger than the size of your standard trap pan. And it's got kind of a handle on the top of it. And this is used to bed your traps and to bed dirt inside of the jaws without getting dirt under the pan. So the trapper's cap does is it goes over the top of the pan and it slides down along the outside edge of the pan and kind of 
makes this sort of uh, temporary covering to keep anything from getting under the pan. I don't know if you can visualize that, but it's like, so it's so it's this, pretend it's like an upside down uh, bottle or upside down coffee cup, say, with a handle on the, the bottom of it or the top of it um, when it's facing down. And there's a slot in that, and the slot is for your uh, your trap dog, so that you can slide this over the pan, um, over the dog, down until it hits the dirt. So you get that cap down. You so you basically you dig your trap bed, you get your trap staked, you set your trap, you put it in the trap bed. Maybe you pack a little dirt on the out around the outside of the jaws and the levers like you normally do, and then you take your trapper's cap and you stick it over the top of the pan, slide down till it hits the ground. Then what you because that trapper's cap is there, you can start to um, bed the inside of the the jaws between the pan and and the jaws. So you can you can kind of add put dirt inside the trap pattern area and you can pack that in really good. And so some people like it because it allows them to bed traps uh, better. Um, Personally, the way I typically bed traps, I don't. You don't need to do much on the inside of the jaws, but uh, but certain people really like to do that. So um, the trapper's cap allows you to do that. And according to the the trapper's cap, folks, um, 90% of the time you won't need to use a pan cover when you use this method. It probably depends a little bit on the type of dirt you're using and the conditions and everything. Um, but uh, the, because you're you're kind of covering that up and then you're you're packing down all the dirt between the trapper's cap and the inside of the, the trap jaws. You get done, you pull the trapper's cap up, and your trap is set, your trap is bedded, your pan is where it needs to be, you got dirt packed around it, and you don't have any dirt um, underneath the pan. So that's the way it's kind of supposed to work. I mean, you trapper's cap was pretty popular for a while. I don't You don't seem to see a lot of people using it anymore the people who do use it really seem to like it and they get into a habit and they do it uh, the people who use it are gonna tend to be people who have a certain type of trap that they work with and they they don't you know they, they've got one type of trap and they don't vary much in trap size or trap model or anything because the the trappers cap has to be sized specifically to fit the trap that you're using and so if you know if you're using a bigger trap or a smaller trap uh, the the same trapper's cap is not going to necessarily work for both of those uh, but it is an option it's an interesting option to try out now moving on from the trapper's cap something that's gotten more popular over the years this is something that one of the top coyote trappers around uh, Mark June uh, swears by and uses all the time uh, I've used I used it in a good percentage of my sets last fall and I really liked it and I'm going to probably use it more and that is polyfill. Polyfill very simply is the stuffing in the inside of most pillows. Um, you go to the store, go to Walmart, you can buy a big bag of polyfill. It's just pillow stuffing or stuffed animal stuffing. It is polyester fibers, little tiny polyester fibers um, and they you kind of you can pull out a little pinch of it, and you can fluff it up and make it much much bigger. And it's it's just a, I don't know, it's like it's almost like cotton, but it's polyester and it doesn't compress. 
it does not seem to soak up water it just kind of sheds water really nicely um, polyfill is it, it it's nice I like it a lot um, if I was going to choose between a trapper's cap and polyfill I think I'd, I'd choose the polyfill every time so basically what you do with the polyfill is and, and this is a case where less is more if you can get that stuff uh, pulled out and stretched pinched out and and fluffed up um, just a very 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 tiny bit of it will go a long way and so you take a little pinch of it between you you know two fingers uh, fluff it out and you stick that you have the trap set and you stick that polyfill underneath the trap pan so between the between the pan and the bottom of the trap you stick that polyfill underneath the pan and you want it so it's almost kind of to the outside edge of the pan and what that's or or you can, I mean you can go a little further out really some some people don't like to use much but I think you could go a little further outside the outside edge of the pan <clears throat> you get that in there and then you can pack dirt on the inside of your trap pattern um, and and you can cover you can sift dirt over top even if you don't pack on the inside of your trap jaws you can sift over the top of your pan um, over your trap and dirt is not going to be able to get underneath the trap pan because the polyfill is there filling up that space and keeps the dirt from going in so that's pretty sweet and and uh, it works it works very effectively um, some uh, I know Will Griffith was on and we talked about using it with uh, you know potential for freezing up I don't know if I guess still got to test that. I get to get a chunk of that, put it in water, stick it outside, let it freeze, and see what it, see what it does. But um, it's not really a concern for me when it, when we get uh, a significant amount of rain to where you're going to have it in the underneath the trap pan. The whole bed of the trap is going to be full of water. Most where I trap, so it's it's uh, it's not really an issue. But it's good. Um, the only thing is, uh, are you a small trap pattern guy? Or are you a big trap pattern guy? Are you a small pan person or a big pan person? And if, if you use polyfill, if you use trapper's cap, you're going to be limited by the size of your pan. And so if you got the MB550, you're going to have a pan there. Um, it's it's not a bad size pan, but you do have a lot of space there where the animal can step in between the pan and the jaws of the trap and not fire that trap. And so, so you got to decide, you know, there's a lot of debate over that. Um, you got to decide what you want to do. Uh, would you rather have that trap fire when, when the animal steps down, or would you rather uh, take the chance that they're not going to fire the trap unless they step squarely on the pan, and you're confident enough you can get them to do that? If they if you don't get them to do that, then you're, the animal is going to move on and you're not going to catch them. Or you go the other way and say, I want every time that foot goes down on the inside of the jaws, I want that trap to fire. And I'm taking a chance that maybe they're not dead center on that. And maybe you're going to have a different type of catch. Um, but I'd rather I'd rather take that chance for the upside of actually making the catch. Um, debate that will go on has gone on for years and will continue to go on for years. Um, but that brings us to our last option. Uh, well, we have kind of two options here. Uh, one is just stick with your your standard traps and don't don't do anything. Don't use pan covers. Don't use polyfill. Don't use a trapper's cap. Just sift the dirt right over top of her and do your thing and move on. Take your chances. Um, you know, in, in some cases, depending on your soil type and your conditions, you may not have much for an issue there. And depending on how you, what type of trap you have and everything else. 
um, in, in most cases you, you're probably going to run into some issues. Um, but the last option that, that you can use uh, to which would avoid the need for any uh, polyfill trapper's cap uh, or any type of pan covers would be to use the expander pans or use larger trap pans. And so I, I tried these uh, a little bit this year with, uh, I, I used uh, Mike uh, Kelly's Wild River Traps. I used his MB550 pans. He sent me some to try out. And in those, I actually, um, some of them I actually did put polyfill under him just to be safe. I don't know if I needed to or not, but they I certainly think it helped. Um, and and then, of course, you got Chip Davis from Expandapan that makes those. Um, they're a little more expensive, but they, they have a bigger coverage area. Um, and if, if you use those, I really, I really don't see any need to use any type of pan cover if you're using those, those big expand pans. Um, so, so that's an option for you as well. I mean, this is, this is the beauty of trapping nowadays in the modern trapping world. You know, we don't have the best fur prices. We have a lot of options and we have all these ingenious people and these, these trapper inventors and entrepreneurs that are coming up with these little different ideas on new inventions, new styles of traps, new gadgets, new tools and techniques and, and everything else. It's pretty cool. So there, we laid it out. Those are kind of your options for pan covers. That's what pan covers do, why we use them, and uh, the, the pros and cons of, of different options for making sure, just make sure that dirt doesn't get under the pan and keep you from catching fur. That's a really frustrating thing. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. If you still got a season, get out there and trap. Catch you next time.